0: The following message is from LifeSource Christian Church MP3 Audio Lounge. More information about LifeSource is available at lifesource.org.au. My focus this morning is on the greatness of God. The greatness of God. I've got a verse here for you from Psalm 145 verse 3. It says this, Great is the Lord and greatly to be praised. And his greatness is unsearchable. God's greatness is unsearchable. Some translations say that his his greatness is unknowable or incomprehensible. Well, what does that mean? What does that mean? I like to think of it like a diamond. When I before I proposed to Amanda, I did lots of research on diamonds. Any guys do lots of research on diamonds? You know what? You you want to know what you're getting into here, don't you? Researching diamonds, and what you learn about diamonds is they cut it in certain way so that it maximizes the brilliance or maximizes the amount of light that shines back out from inside the diamond. Light shines in and it shines back out depending on how the facets, the, the sides of the diamond are cut And so when you look at a diamond, you can look at it from one perspective, looking at a particular facet, and the light shines out, the brilliance shines out in a particular way. But you just need to turn that diamond just a little bit to a little different angle, and you see it from a different perspective, and it shines differently. And God is like a diamond with infinite facets. And we can look at him from all different perspectives and and angles and different facets and realize, wow, God is great. God is amazing. His greatness is unsearchable. And we cannot know everything about Him. It's impossible. But what that also means is that what little we do know about Him, there's always more that we can learn. There is always more that we can understand. There's always more that we can have revelations about our great God. It's important that we know about God. Because without God, our existence really has no meaning. Without God, we are just merely cells, a collection of cells gathered together that somehow miraculously seem to function together. But is there really any purpose without God? We might, have a, we might find meaning in raising our children, but our children grow up. They leave home. We might find meaning in, in trying to save the planet, but this, the planet deteriorates. The planet in itself is is going to end one day. Without God, without the existence of God, our life has no meaning. And as we understand more of who God is, it gives greater context for our own lives. I don't know about you, but the more I learn about God, the more I understand how great He is, the more at peace I am. The more hope I have for my future, the more purpose and meaning there is in my life. If you're taking notes today, my sermon is called The Greatness of God. And if we could get the house lights up so note takers could see what they're writing down, I want you to pray with me, church. Father, I thank you so much that you are great. Lord God, I pray that. The words that you've put on my heart as I speak them from my lips, that they would not be filtered by me, but Lord, that they would come directly from your heart and go into hearts that are open, ready to receive from you, ready to be challenged by you, ready to be touched by you. Father, I thank you so much for your goodness, for your greatness. Reveal more of it to us today. In Jesus' Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So this morning, we're going to look at a few different facets of God It is impossible for me to cover every single facet of God's greatness, but we're going to touch on a few of them this morning. And the first one is this. God is great because he loves unconditionally. God loves unconditionally. There is nothing like it anywhere else. Romans 8 from verse 38 says this. For I am persuaded that neither death nor life nor angels nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor height, nor depth, nor any other created thing shall be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ our Lord. No matter what you've done, no matter how bad you've been, no matter what evil has been done to you, no matter whether you believe in God or not, God loves you unconditionally. It has absolutely nothing to do with who you are or how you behave or what you think. God loves unconditionally. Full stop. How great is our God who loves us unconditionally. His love for us is unending. We seem to love with conditions in our humanity we love with conditions. We need to find reasons perhaps to love people. But God's love is like a parent to a child. And we're expecting our first baby in a, in a few weeks' time, in a few months' time. And I haven't met my little girl yet, but I love her already. And as fabulous as she's going to be, she'll be practically perfect, just like her mum. There will be times, I'm sure, where, where I will be disappointed, where our dreams and expectations for her, she, she won't live up to. But that doesn't stop me from loving her. For those of you who are are parents already, you love your children and no doubt they've done things that are wrong and there's been times when you've had to discipline them. But even in the midst of you disciplining your child, you still love them. In fact, it's because you love them that you discipline your child. Yeah? God's love for us is similar. He loves us regardless of whether we even love him back. And understanding God's love has no understanding that God's love has no end is a bit easier to understand when we remember that God isn't just loving, God is love. One John four eight says this He who, who does not love does not know God, for God is love. This is the Apostle John. He's not saying that God is some nebulous, warm, fuzzy feeling that we get. God is not bound by our human understanding of what love is like or what love feels like, but rather he defines love. He is the definition of love itself. And there is no such thing as love without God. Wow. God is great because he loves us. Unconditionally. He is great because he loves us unconditionally. And I want to encourage you to let this facet of God's greatness frame your identity. Let this facet of who God is and his greatness be something that we realize wow, God's love brings peace to my heart. Amanda sang it in her song. She says, I am yours and you are mine. No greater love is there I can find but you. So great. So great is your love. Church, would you say this after me? I am loved by the one who defines love. Let's try that again. I am loved by the one who defines love. Isn't that amazing? I am worthy of his love. You are worthy of his love. So that's my first one this morning. God is great because he loves us unconditionally. Second one is this. God is great because he works for us. God is great because he works for us. And God can be compared to no other. There's no other person or deity or thing that even comes remotely close to him. God is forever and always looking out for ways in which he can bless us. The only God that is like that. The only true God, in fact, that works on our behalf. Now, now God needs nothing from us but instead he does work for us. He engages in our lives. Even when we think he is silent or doing nothing, God is at work. Characterized in Psalm, oh, sorry, Isaiah 64, verse 4, where it says this, From of old no one has heard or perceived by the ear. No eye has seen a God besides you who acts for those who wait for him. I think that all of us can admit that in the busyness of our lives, we sometimes fail to see God at work. Or we sometimes forget the work that God has done. I know in my life, I can take my health for granted, for example. When I was 18 months old, I had, my mother tells me that I had meningitis and I came very close to death. Of course, I don't remember that. But I can take my health for granted, or even more recently, the, the prayers that God has answered in that he's, he's given me an amazing wife. We've got a, a, our first baby on the way. He's given us a, a fantastic place in which to live. He's uh, answered my prayer in regards to ministry. And here we are on the North Shore. And I can take all of that for granted, but God was at work. God was at work making all these things come to pass. You know, I go through our Get Connected cards every week. And I'd say that the ratio of prayer requests to praise reports is about 10 to 1 and so and that's not a reflection I don't think of whether God's answering prayer I think that's you know it's not coming to the forefront of our minds sometimes we're not acknowledging the goodness of God the greatness of God the answers to God of God that God is at work in our lives but what great joy there is in knowing that God loves to show his greatness by working for me He shows his greatness, how amazing he is by doing works on our behalf. Anything that I could possibly do is transcended far beyond by what he does or even anything I could even attempt to do. Now, there's two perspectives that we might perceive in which God works for us. And the first perspective we might have is that it's like an employer-employee relationship where I'm the employer and God is my employee and he does what I need him to do. He does what he what I want him to do, but you know that's not the perspective. The right connotation is, in fact, this: that I I am bankrupt and I need a bailout. See, I am weak and I need someone strong. I'm endangered and I need a protector. I am foolish and I need someone wise. I am lost and I need a rescuer. And let's face the facts. No matter how smart you are, no matter how strong you are, no matter how old you are, no matter how good looking you are, we need God to work for us. There are simply things that we cannot just work out on our own. There are things that we need his intervention in. Let's go back to Isaiah 64. Says this from of old, no one has heard or perceived by the ear. No eye has seen a God besides you. He is unique, who acts for those who wait for him. Who acts for those who wait for him. So there's this disclaimer here. There's a God who wants to do work on our behalf. But yet we need to wait. We need To wait on him. What does that mean? That means to trust in him. It means to give him credit for what he has done rather than take matters into our own hands. He is most glorified when he does the work, not when we try to take matters into our own hands. There is no other God like him. All the other gods want their people to come and work for them, but our great God says that I will work for you. Let's look at it as an example in Isaiah. 46, Isaiah 46. This is Isaiah talking to God's people. It says this, bell bows down. Nebo stoops. Hopefully this is coming up. It doesn't look like it is. Not to worry. Nebo stoops. So these are Babylonian gods. And their idols are on beasts and and livestock. These things you carry are born as beasts on weary burdens. They stoop. They bow down together. They cannot save the burden, but themselves go into captivity. So the Babylonian gods, they're saying, I demand of you that you carry me. Do what I want you to do. You must carry me, is exactly what they're saying. But the God of the Bible, he says this in verse 3, Listen to me, O house of Jacob, all the remnant of the house of Israel, who have been born by me from before your birth, carried from the womb, even to your old age, I am he. And to gray hairs, I will carry you. I have made and I will bear. I will carry and I will save. The other gods demand that they be carried, and that's because they're totally and utterly helpless and useless and pathetic and not even real. But what does our great God say? Not that we should carry him, but that he would carry us, that he has made us, that he will bear, that he will carry, that he will save. Our great God is working on our behalf. But we need to wait for him. We need to trust that he has our best at heart. I can think of my own journey of singleness. I didn't meet a man until I was 33. So during my 20s, I was desperately wanting to find a, a woman of God who I could marry and to start a relationship. And I, I was trying to approach it from a really godly perspective and, and honoring God throughout my process of, of pursuing somebody. And apart from uh, about three months with, with another girl, I, I was single for really the whole time. And it came into my early 30s and I realized, okay, God, my way's not working. I need to surrender this to you, God, in your own good time and in the way in which you, Lord, want to work this out, I'm going to trust you. I'm going to, I'm going to wait on you. Oh, what a marvelous answer to prayer. What a fantastic answer to prayer. If we could just learn to take our hands off, step back and say, God, you've got this. God's got this, amen? I want to make a side point here. We need to be aware that waiting on the Lord is not the same as being idle, idle in the Lord. See, waiting on the Lord doesn't mean that our lives come to a grinding halt and we stop altogether and we do nothing. It means that we just don't get our hands and we don't try to interfere with our, with our own motive, with our own way of doing things. You know, the reality is, is if there's things that God wants to sort out in your life, yeah, you might need to get counseling. Sure, you might need to stay accountable to somebody. Absolutely read your Bible and pray. We don't become inactive or idle in our faith, but it just means that I'm not going to try and put my persuasion on how this is done. I'm not going to try and make this happen the way that I wanted to make it happen. I'm going to trust in a great God, a great God who's going to do things his way the right way. How great is God? I love that he works for us and he gets the glory for when he does the work. Isn't that awesome? He gets the glory when he does the work rather than we work for him. So God is great because he loves unconditionally. God is great because he works for us. God is great because he does not change. God doesn't change. In the song, man is saying, Jesus the same yesterday and forever. You alone are great. So great. That first part of that that phrase, that passage there is uh, taken from Hebrews 13. Jesus the same. Yesterday, today, and forever. In a world of chaos and unceasing turmoil, how wonderful that God doesn't change. He is always the same. And the reason that God doesn't change is because he's eternal. This is really hard to get our heads around, but... God is eternal so he sees the existence of all humanity and the entire world from the beginning of time all the way through to the end of time in a snapshot he sees all of it so things that change for us from day to day do not affect his perspective the the disappointments of yesterday and the successes of tomorrow he sees them but they do not affect his perspective. He sees them all. He doesn't need to change because he sees the big picture. And since God doesn't change, we can be assured that his responses to us are also consistent. He will always love us. He will always forgive us every time we ask. He will always long to be with us. He will always delight in our righteous living, yet grieve over our failures. His ways are always good. His promises do not change. And so depending on the facet of God in which we're looking, God could be a God who grieves from one facet, but a God who rejoices over our righteous living at the same time. This is a a complex one to get around our heads. But this is the amazing God, the great God that we have. Just think, God sees all our failures, mistakes and problems of the entire world all at once. But yet, He is still able to make promises to us. Hebrews 13 verse 5 says this, He has said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. God could come up with a million, billion, trillion, gazillion reasons to abandon us. But as he looks at the snapshot of our entire existence, he goes, I will never leave you. I will never forsake you. I find it amazing that God can make promises like this. How great is God? God is great because he doesn't change. God is completely consistent and reliable and faithful. And we can be confident that his promises over us will stand. How great is God? Fourth one this morning is this. God is great because he offers us salvation. He offers us salvation. Psalm 40 verse 16 says this, But may all who seek you rejoice and be glad in you. May those who love your salvation say continually, Great is the Lord. Great is the Lord. I hope that those of you who have been saved for some time can echo this psalm. Great is, God is great because he, he offers us salvation. And why does he offer us salvation? He offers us salvation because he wants us to be in relationship with him. Ever since the beginning of time, ever since creation itself, God has wanted to be in relationship with with mankind, with humanity. With Adam and Eve is where it all started. God wanted to be in relationship with them. But what was it that broke off that relationship? Sin. Their sin, our sin. Our sin separates us from having an intimate, real, meaningful relationship with God. But that doesn't stop God. That doesn't stop God from loving us and that does not stop God from pursuing us. And that is exactly why he sent his son. A loving father sent his only son, his one and only son, to die on a cross so that our sins could be forgiven. His death in exchange for our sins. The song Amanda sang says this, On a cross, Jesus' blood was spilt out for us, taking sin and all our shame in exchange for perfect grace. What a beautiful exchange. God takes our sin and shame and we get his grace We do not deserve it, but he gives it nonetheless. What a great God. What an amazing facet of God. I can't say this emphatically, but to me, possibly to you, hopefully, the fact that God offers us salvation would have to be the greatest of all the facets of God. That a people who have rejected him and sinned, and turn their backs on him, can still be redeemed, can still come into a relationship with him. An eternity in heaven rather than a damnation in hell for eternity. How great is our God. We all know John 3.16, For God so loved the world that he gave his only Son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved through him. Jesus took the punishment for our sins. Every single last mistake and every single failure, Jesus came. But it's up to us. It's up to us to ask God and say, God, can you take this sin? Can you forgive us, Lord? Will you forgive us? And the answer every single time, because he is consistent, is yes, is yes. Salvation brings us into a new relationship with a loving God and opens up he- an eternity in heaven. It's freedom from sin. It's freedom from bondage of, the bondage of sin. And we get to walk in freedom. We get to walk with purpose and meaning in our life here on earth, have a hope for the future, have peace and joy in our lives. And as we look at all these different facets of God... As we come to an understanding of how great our God is, I pray, I pray that your response is this, God I trust you, you are bigger than all my problems, I set my identity first and foremost in who you are and on the basis of knowing who you are, I come before you Lord God, knowing who I am as a child of God, as a son or daughter of the king. Can I invite the team back up? Finally, last thing I want to encourage you with. Let's be mindful of the various facets of God. Let's look for the various facets of God. They are there to be found in God's word, in the Bible, in what happens in our world, in in our everyday life. Creation itself screams of his greatness. If only we would but look. I want to encourage you this morning. Go out today, this week, finding the greatness of God, reflecting on the greatness of God, the God who loves us, the God who works for us, the God who doesn't change, the God who offers salvation and honor Him for it and recognize Him for it. In Jesus' name. Can you do that? Amen. How about we stand? Thanks for listening to this message from Life Source Christian Church MP3 Audio Lounge. We invite you to visit us online at lifesource.org.au to find out more about our church and to also access other free resources.